Hey, welcome to part two of the Ragged Trouser Philanthropists. I'm just popping in here to make sure that you are in the correct part. This will cover uh, from when Frankie Owens goes to Sunday school all the way to the end of the book. And this is where we're going to include our reviews and, you know, final thoughts about it, um, including like Barrington's lecture. So yeah, enjoy. Uh, little Frankie Owen is invited to Sunday school. <laughs> we get a super charming picture of this church. All the big wigs in town are there. You got Sweater. You got Rushton. You got Hunter. You got Mrs. Starvum. I think all of those characters are fat except for Hunter. Uh, uh, <laughs> who, 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 and who? Sweater, uh, Mr. Sweater, Sweater yeah. Rushton. Yeah. Hunter is not. And then Mrs. Starvum is described as fat too, I think. Or maybe just old. Uh, they didn't really... No, no, no. S- they, they mentioned she's fat in the book. I remember. Okay. I was going to say, they didn't really focus on Starvum at all. I don't she's know if a she's a character. character. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know if she's even named. She might not be. She's not that important. <laughs> um, let's see. But the preacher guy is. Yes. And we we get to meet Mr. Belcher. He is the reverend. He is fat and described as incredibly gassy. He has like some sort of dyspepsia. The church raises money for a vacation for him to recover in the south of France. Because he had some sort of, oh, I guess from dyspepsia? Yeah, yeah, basically. Oh, okay. uh, later we learn he dies of this condition. Um, Do they have the other guy in there yeah, too? Yeah, the, the hot new guy, Mr. Yeah. Star. Yeah, he looks ridiculous. Wait, in I want to see. In the, uh, he has the same face. I pictured him as no a No matter what man. he's doing. <gasps> Ooh, Yeah. He looks like a TV preacher, Joel Osteen kind of Totally. Guy. <laughs> he looks like a televangelist. That's funny. He's like constantly smiling no matter Rigid, what he's saying. <laughs> toothy smile. <laughs> so yeah, uh, we're the church here is really depicted as just raising money for kind of themselves, for the, the reverend to take a vacation and to fix up the chapel and like instructing the kids to go raise money. And like, it's just, it feels really shady. It is a very awkward uh, church service to invite your friend to because it was just fundraising, it looked like. Yeah. They sang a song and did fundraising. <laughs> yeah, I, in the book, apparently, like they had a, a Bible lesson before that or something. Mm, okay. But I don't know. They didn't go into detail on it. <laughs> Let's get into the town council. Oh, these guys. <laughs> They're the worst. They are, <sighs> to a man, terrible. Just awful people. All right. Uh, They're called the brigands in the book, and they certainly (laughs) fucking are. This includes some familiar faces. Rushton, who is also the mayor of the town. Uh, Sweater, Didlam, Grinder, and Weakling. These guys are basically elected over and over again, and they are absolutely exploiting their position for power and money or like super fucking corrupt. They do things as petty as stealing plants from the public parks and (laughs) geese and ducks as well. What? And then when they're tired of eating the meat, they would sell it to the butcher for a profit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They they give a little more background on Mr. Sweater in particular. He's a he runs a drapery business and hires girls. Uh, very similar to Bert in that they are like indentured servants, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the end of her apprenticeship, if the parents like complain like hey she didn't fucking learn anything he'll be like oh she just like isn't good and they believe him because he's like a big important man in town yeah basically he's he's hiring all these most i think mostly women to make clothes some of them at home doing piecemeal work and just living in like semi-starvation yeah 
This quote, though, small wonder that when this good and public spirited man offered his services to the town free of charge, the intelligent working men of Mugsboro accepted his offer with enthusiastic applause. The fact that he had made money in business was a proof of his intellectual capacity. <laughs> Good job, creators. Mm-hmm. Mr. Weakling is our wimpy reformist. Yeah, I was going to say, Dr. Weakling doesn't seem like he's corrupt. He just seems weak. bad. Yeah, weak. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so he he's the physician in town, and he is constantly outvoted. Uh, what I think is funny, too, is like the characterization from the other members and of both the council and the town of of branding him as as difficult like oh you're you're just being you're just being trouble by protesting this vote yeah the main story with the council they they have a few meetings over the course of the book but they are trying to run out the gas company from the town uh by starting their own electric company Mm -hmm. so they buy the land from the town at a really low price um in the name of providing jobs Ah, of course. Of course. And Weakling's like, that is not the value of the land. Like, that's way too low. But they're like, shut up. (laughs) In return, the gas company just moves slightly outside of the town uh, so they can continue to, like, do their business. Mm -hmm. Um, The council raises the tax on coal and then proceeds to sell out their company to the municipality. Basically, they do all this, like, maneuvering so they can, like, make a buck. Um, They pay off an inspector and the newspapers, which they own, to make it seem like buying this, this... money pit is going to be profitable. Yeah. Um, and then they can blame it all on socialism by saying like, see, we tried to publicly own something and it sucked. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the graphic novel only really, it jumps in at that part where they're okay. trying to swindle the town into buying the thing. And they're like, yeah, we'll just cook the books and <laughs> it'll look like we're great and we'll sell it to them and it'll be, it'll be excellent. <laughs> yeah. They, they have a couple of other meetings and schemes in the book. I think one is where, uh, the guy who owns the cave rush is it rush no sweater uh he proposes to connect the like main drain of his house to the town he's like mm. oh, i'm just being so nice and they're like that's actually like not good like that you're giving us more work and he like says oh it's it's just like you just have to pay for the construction fee and for like maintenance and like he's basically making a profit by connecting his drain to the town yeah it was so like transparent too yeah. it's just like yeah we're, i'm just gonna make you guys pay for it it's gonna be an extra expense for you uh but look at how nice i am mm-hmm. and people buy it <laughs> let's get back to the eastons uh as much as i hate this part we gotta talk about it easton yeah. and roof they they go out they're going originally going grocery shopping but they meet mr and mrs crass who invite them out for a drink uh ruth is not used to drinking at all and quickly starts to feel ill She's just not having a good fucking time. She's like, this sucks. I want to go home. Mm-hmm. She asks multiple times uh, her husband, and he's just like, can we fucking go? But he's like, I'm having fun. Eventually, she walks home alone, and she passes out on her way home. A crowd is kind of around her, like, what is up with this drunk lady on the street? Um, and Slime finds her, helps her home, and then uh, sexually assaults her. Slime decides to stop renting with Easton. Um, it's obviously quite uncomfortable there. Uh, plus, eventually, Easton gets out of work, so the food starts going really, you know, there's not a lot of food to mm, be had. Okay, yeah. Slime kind of convinces Ruth not to tell Easton about it uh, because he's like, they're going to blame you, you know, like, you know, basically sh- shames her into not talking. Oh. Ruth is very withdrawn from Easton, obviously. She's like fucking traumatized and freaked out and scared. Um, yeah. Easton thinks she's just in a bad mood because maybe she's pregnant and he is not wrong. 
We will return to the story later. But that is where I'm going to leave that update for now. All right. It's really horrifying. It's yeah. just the... I think it just serves as showing how capitalism affects families and, and women as well. Mm-hmm. And I think for Easton, I think maybe you could blame it on like, yeah, he's going to the bar more or whatever. So he's not home and shit like that. But also like he's doing that so he can like feel like he has job security with crass, you know? Oh, yeah. That he's that it's a result of his desperation, too. Mm hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. But I mean, also slime just sucks. Like, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> all right work finishes up at the cave right before christmas uh, most of the men are let go with the exception of crass slime Sawkins, and owen they see some unemployed folks um, and owen says i don't believe in begging as a favor for what one is entitled to demand is a right from the thieves who have robbed them and who are now enjoying the fruits of their labor pretty fun good yes true <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and some of the men are like, well, they should just get trained. Like, that would help. They, then on, they get yeah. a job. Easy. And he's like, okay, how many of our friends are fucking unemployed right now? Like, <laughs> do you think training a whole bunch of other guys is going to make it easier or harder to find a job? Yep. <laughs> and Crass is just like, just send him to the workhouse, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Newman is arrested because he can't pay his poor rates. Um, this leaves his wife and children to struggle by on three shillings a week. I, one thing I want to mention, there's quite a lot of mutual aid in this book. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, for Newman, the, the men raise up a little collection for Christmas to make sure they can have a good meal. You know, the Owens are always willing to have over, like, the Linden kids. And eventually, Frankie, the little, uh, not Frankie, Freddie mm-hmm. uh, Easton, the baby, over to their house for meals. Yeah. And they always send them home with extra food for their mom. And, like, they're just very willing to give, even if they don't have a lot. Yeah. The Christmas party... The Owens invite the children from the Newmans and the Lindens, as well as Bert and Philpot. It's very cute overall. Yeah. Uh, but the highlight is Bert's Pandoramer. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I love this part. It's a little cardboard stage uh, with handles that move drawings across it, and it's lit with candles from behind. And he basically takes them through a grand tour of Europe, describing the scene and then playing on a like a harmonica and the kids sing along to these popular songs um and he really shows like all levels of society and i'm like damn bert got radicalized (laughs) (laughs) he shows laborers um like chain makers and hook and eye sewers uh he shows slums uh the homeless the unemployed one one particularly funny song that kids sing is Rule Britannia, Britannia rules the waves. Britons never, never, never shall be slaves. <laughs> right after seeing like people just enslaved with work. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't have a lot of that scene in the graphic novel. They do have the panorama. Oh, let me see. Uh, but there is a reference there to the decorations being Moorish. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Because he's he's obsessed and with it, Owen. And his yeah, and and Owen's like beaming. Oh, he looks so proud of him. <laughs> that's so cute. It's um, got very cute artwork. That's very cute it. style. He shows millionaires and the royals, the aristocrat, aristocrat. I always say aristocrats. <laughs> I grew up in the nineties. People aristocrats, including one lady slum rent, <laughs> which is just a great name. <laughs> slum rent. Uh, at one point, a kid wishes he were a pet dog of royalty because he would get fed better. So that's fucking tragic. 
Is it though? I mean, how many of us have not wished to be a dog or a cat? I wish I were a cat most days. A house, like, you know, obviously a house cat with a good family, but Mm -hmm. like, that's such a chill life. It is a chill fucking time. (laughs) So that's another part that's true today. (laughs) Uh, There's a scene of charity and of elections, which we're going to get to later in the book too. Uh, There's even a scene of a socialist being beaten up on the street. And it ends with a portrait of the king, and the children cheer and sing. (laughs) Why do they cheer for the king? Because they're fucking patriotic, I guess. That's what they're taught to do. Okay, all right. We are in the depths of winter. Times are tough. Uh, We see a man is just found dead in the street of bronchitis and starvation. And it's the third case in six weeks. Owen is in a really bad spot. Uh, His illness is getting worse. He's coughing up blood. Yeah. Frankie's hair is falling out. Nora is uh, recovering from some hard labor she had to do at the boarding house to make some extra money. And so the town turns to charity. Charity, our favorite. We love it. Yeah. Totally going to solve all the problems, right? Exactly. It's foolproof. Foolproof. Uh, This book says otherwise. They give lots of examples of the fuckery that goes on in this. Um, Particularly, you know, distributing tickets for particular items instead of just giving people money because they don't fucking trust them. Mm -hmm. They are really only assisting those living in absolute squalor. They have, uh, the church does quite a few, like, really half-assed efforts. They have a rummage sale, kind of like a yard sale. It's just crap. Yeah. (laughs) They do a boot collection, but the boots are so shitty that they fall apart after a few days. Uh, Probably the worst scheme they have is the labor yard. Okay. Uh, The reverend starts this where he buys timber on the cheap, because who's going to gouge a reverend? Okay, Um, yeah. And he hires men to saw these logs uh, at piecework prices. Nobody's allowed to do more than three logs a day and no more than two days a week. And the church then sells this timber as firework, or fireworks, (laughs) The church then sells this timber as firewood, and the reverend buys a new dog, an ivory chest set, and some whiskey. So he just fucking pockets it. So he just does the money trick. He does the money trick. He But everyone says, oh, look, he's providing jobs. Yeah, wow. Just open up a business. That's charity, apparently. That's charity, apparently. That's it. (laughs) They didn't have that in graphic novel that's great <laughs> yeah it's it's rough stuff uh, they talk about the soup kitchen everyone's ashamed to go there and it's really low quality stuff the organized benevolent society is one of the charities they mentioned mm, um, yeah the members are characterized as either very social climbing people or like kind of foolish people who don't know any better who are just like i don't want to help and like this is what i i think will do it uh but overall it's characterized as like doing way more harm than good um since it's like super humiliating um i think later they they i think in the next winter in the book they force applicants instead of just taking an application going home and turning it back in they now have to sit through an interview which takes forever which cuts down on their applications Mm, smart Mm -hmm. evil (laughs) so then they can say we did it yeah (laughs) and you know it's a very embarrassing and like you know they're treated very like they're like they're criminals you know yeah, or at least ostracized. It goes into this back to, I think, maybe one of the book's central points of the internalized or like how people internalize the values of this capitalist society. This is part of it is 
painting out for everyone the goods and the bads, the deserving and the undeserving. Yes, it, they, it absolutely it strips them of dignity. Yeah. For sure. While saying, oh, but look how much we're doing for them, all this. You mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. I think they, they do have the Organized Benevolent Society guy. He looks, I would say, social climber or like middle class <laughs> kind of guy. And yeah. he spells out like all the, all of what they're... Oh, their requirements? Like, no, like, uh, what have we done this oh, year? Oh, yeah, yeah, we did yeah. all this. We did this. This many hundreds of whatever. Yeah, I remember that part. He looks so very proud of himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, uh, one of the rich guys in town, Grinder. I think he's the guy who owns like all the grocery stores in town. Yeah. He's given uh, the kiosk uh, that's kind of like in the town square mm-hmm. at a reduced rent, plus the cost of renovation, including a new shaded seating area. Ooh, that sounds nice. The town gets to pay for that, right? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yes. The good news is more jobs, even some overtime. Poor, uh, I think poor... Dr. Weakling said, no, we should give this to the highest bidder. And they just like laughed at him. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Weakling is bullied. (laughs) Oh, I love this quote on supply and demand. These human beings had such a strange system of arranging their affairs that if anyone were to go and burn down a lot of the houses, he would be conferring a great boon upon those who had built them because such an act would make a lot more work. Yeah. Make it make sense. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, when we point to it and say there's half a million homeless people or people, unhoused people in the U.S. with how many millions of vacant units, then you know that housing is not actually to keep people, you know, to to give shelter to people. Clearly not in the system. If you can burn down so many of them and it's good for the housing industry, then it's not. It's, it's, its intention it's is not bad. to help people. It's a bad system if you're doing that. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, we've got we got a new flavor in town. Ooh. And that's socialism. Yeah, socialism. Owen starts lending out his books and pamphlets on socialism. Most of the men are very reluctant to take these. Uh, but he continues. Um, I, I like this quote. Uh, socialism was to him what drink was to some of the others. The thing that enables them to forget and tolerate the conditions under which they were forced to exist. I like that. My, my drug of choice is socialism. <laughs> and also weed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and a socialist group actually visits the town. Uh, yeah. They even have a little banner. Uh, the town fucking hates them they throw rocks at them they hit a guy with a rock like right in the forehead they run them out of town uh they they keep trying though they come back for a few sundays in a row Mm -hmm. um to try to convert a few folks um they do a few people seem convinced but they're very scared of coming out kind of as socialists uh in case they don't get hired anywhere I want to ride in the socialism wagon that they have in the book. Oh, let me see. Let me see. In the oh, graphic novel. Oh, yeah. It looks really cool. This is a rad carriage. Yeah. That'd it's a awesome. rad fucking carriage. Let's see. Back on the job site. I, I love this part. I wonder if they included this in the graphic novel. A guy is caught taking old wood from a work site. It's described as like having no use but the trash right mm-hmm. and he's like i'm taking this for firewood and hunter catches him and so hunter freaks the fuck out and the company gives out cards um that say uh no materials to be not. taken away for private use uh and they use the, the phrase however trifling mm-hmm. <laughs> and the men like some of them tear up the cards upon receiving it 
Um, and everyone jokes about the phrase, like, well, my favorite is like someone comes out of the work site with paint on them. And they're like, however trifling, don't be taking that material. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but someone sends Rushton a card smeared with human shit. <laughs> uh, but nobody is pro- like, you know, openly striking over this or anything, but they are like not happy about that. Yeah, they had, it doesn't look like they smeared it. It looks like they just put shit in it. And <laughs> that's the whole turn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. Oh, at one point, like, some guys get, get fired because they get, like, drunk on a work site. Which isn't, I mean, it's kind of a funny story just because, like, they're, they're working in this really gross restaurant. And they're like, this fucking sucks. So they get drunk. But what it leads to is all the men tell all these stories of times they've, like, told off a boss. Um... And they're all like super exaggerating and like they're like the way they they say it sounds like this happens every day. Right. I told him, <laughs> yeah. Told him where to go. <laughs> all right, the Beano. The Beano. So a Beano apparently is like a company outing? I I didn't know it was a term either. I so. had never heard this term. British people maybe you're like, "Duh, everyone knows about Beanos." Of course, it's a Beano. I looked it up and they said it's just like a dinner or a buffet or whatever. So just in general, it's not yeah. like a company. Yeah, not specifically for company okay. purposes, okay. I that think. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, just some sort of party or a food party, which is what it is. It's like a potluck. A potluck kind <laughs> of thing. So yeah, the men organize this this party. It's basically a company outing that they all chip into for over several months. And so they, they hire carriages to take them to a nice restaurant a couple towns away. And they stop at pubs on the way there and on the way back. <laughs> Shit gets rowdy. <laughs> But uh, I want to talk about a couple of the scenes at the restaurant. Um, there's lots of toasts in honor of Rushton and Hunter who are there. Yeah, and how great they are. Woo, mm-hmm. yay. Rushton goes full fash. <laughs> he says, the masters could not do without the men, and the men could not live without the masters. It was a matter of division of labor. The men worked with their hands, and the masters worked with their brains. And one was no use without the other. Uh, Mr. Grinder says basically the same thing in different words. And he also takes a jab at socialists while he's up there. <laughs> Why not? They suck. <laughs> <laughs> and some of the other men are like, hey, you hear that? Because I know, you know, that they have some some socialists amongst them. And Barrington, who has to this point been a pretty quiet character, decides to speak up. And he puts capitalism on blast. So I think barrington was just either like not seen or didn't speak at all like in yeah no i remember reading this and like wait who the fuck is barrington (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah i mean you gotta you gotta stamp what someone is literally just gonna say fascism i mean is yeah well this whole notion of the organic society of some people are the brains and some are the hands and some are the feet and all this everyone has a role to play it makes sort of an intuitive childlike sense perhaps Mm -hmm. but it's class collaborationism. It's it's fascism. It's like you are being commanded. You should like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's gross. Barrington says he tells us that the interests of masters and men are identical. But if an employer has a contract, it is to his interest to get the work done as soon as possible. The sooner it is done, the more profit he will make. But the more quickly it is done, the sooner the men will be out of employment. How then can it be true that their interests are identical? Mm-hmm. Good question. He goes on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but eventually Crass is like, shut the fuck up. And uh, the men kind of go back to singing and just having a good time. They visit several bars and get drunk, including their carriage drivers. Did you have this scene? 
<laughs> no, no. One of their carriage drivers gets drunk and gets into a race with one of the other cars. Whoa. <laughs> no, they didn't have that. It's so funny. Um, they just drunkenly ride back singing and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I like this scene, though, um, because the, the author takes it as an opportunity to talk about, like, the different types of people in society. Uh, the men kind of self-separate into these four different carriages. And mm, okay. um, he uses it as uh, to explain the different types of insanity. Uh, so he calls the rich criminal lunatics. <laughs> <laughs> the second car has, like, Crass and his kind of cronies. Um, he, he basically calls them, like, these are people who are driven mad by their environment. The selfish, which would be like misery or hunter. God, he's so many bad names. Uh, slime and kind of those other kinds of guys. Uh-huh. Um, these men want to suck up to hunter. Their madness is idiocy. And then the last car, which I love this. Um, this is Owen and Barrington and also kind of the more liberal leaning folks in general. Yeah. Um, so they, they this one is split into two. There's the electoralists. Uh, their madness is thinking that that will work. <laughs> Uh, it says they, they alternate between the highest state of exalted mania and at ordinary times in a state of melancholic depression. Wow. And then the socialists. <laughs> Although they had sense enough to understand the real causes of poverty and the only cure for poverty, they were nevertheless so foolish that they entertained the delusion that it is possible to reason with demented persons. <laughs> Whereas every sane person knows that to reason with a maniac is not only fruitless, but rather tends to fix more deeply the erroneous impressions of his disordered mind. <laughs> uh fair enough i feel i feel like we've all we're all brain we've diseased. all despaired at that you know <laughs> despaired at the situation seasons continue we're back into kind of a slow period of unemployment mm-hmm. i like this quote from from some liberal ideas on combating poverty we must go slow and if in the meantime a few thousand children die of starvation or become rickety or consumptive through lack of proper nutrition it is of course very regrettable <laughs> but after all, they are only working class children, so it doesn't matter a great deal. Yeah. <laughs> Back at work, the men tease Barrington to give him, give them another speech. Nice. Um, <laughs> slime is like, socialism means materialism, atheism, and free love, which rad if Good, true. Good, yeah, I like it. <laughs> uh, but Barrington then gives his lecture. It's also pretty long. I'm going to go through it pretty quickly here. Basically doing a lot of marks. He goes through the stages of production. He calls for public ownership of the machinery and an industrial army. And he refutes a lot of, of naysayers here. You know, they say, well, where's, where's the money coming from? And this is what is interesting about Barrington's approach. Okay. He's a little bit reformist here. Well, I don't know. He does it through the state. He does it through the state. And through electing people to the state. That's what's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He just says, let's fill parliament full of uh, socialists and this will work. Yeah, that's his plan. What do you think? You don't like it? I mean, good fucking luck. Are they going <laughs> to let you do that? Right. Yeah. That's the thing is, won't they just change the rules? Yeah. You know? But he's, he's, he's dreaming. He's, he's saying, what if we, what if this works? You know, this is our ideal. I could see it working in the context of the time period of this book. When there was a robust labor movement, this was, you know, early 1900s, it could feel like it maybe was possible. Yeah, yeah, it could, that, I would agree with that. Yeah, people thought it was, it was definitely a possibility. There was a strong socialist current that said, like, yeah, let's elect people, let's do that. I mean, even, 
you you had that also in the United States too with Social Party of America sort mm-hmm. of thing doing that same tactic of we do need to be organizing workplaces and building up union power, but we also need to be running and you know trying to take over the government. So I mean, yeah, I get it. I get it. I think he's a little he gets a little bogged down in details in this vision. I thought his friends forced him into it. His friends did. Like yeah. they're like, but what about this? But what about that? And he's like, well, we would just do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to me, it felt like he was almost just kind of making it up as he went along. Like, oh, uh, we'd have this. You know? <laughs> well, okay. There's, a, I think, in one section, he definitely feels like that. But what what I think is weird. So when he talks about, okay, how are they going to nationalize all these industries? He's like, oh, we'll like pay out the shareholders for like a limited number of years. Mm-hmm. And then his idea for retail shops is he wants to crush them with competition by setting state shops at the lowest prices. Yeah. And then, like, he goes on and on about currency, too, of saying, like, Metal money versus the tokens? Yes, yes. It's very old school, like, uh, the time... Like, the time time guys. store thing. Totally. Because he's saying, okay, the state's only going to use paper money. And these will be dated, and you have to use them in in time. Right. And you also... So you can't accumulate or hoard them. You can't save it, Yeah. And, and you can only use them to, to get goods. Mm-hmm. They're not for trading for other things. Like what? Well, I guess like they're, they're only for, they're only for just... state goods, I guess. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so this is a system in which like private capitalism still exists on the side. It's mm-hmm. a really weird like co-ecosystem that I don't super understand. It's almost cooperative. Like it's cooperative th- themed in that way of like we're going to out-compete. Capitalism of we're going to introduce a better alternative to it. Yes. Uh, Cool if true. (laughs) Yeah, the I guess maybe the problem with that is where how can you sell things for cheaper? So somewhere along Mm -hmm. the line, right? He he just says we're going to buy it in bulk, bigger than yeah. That was his solution. I'm like, okay, but like you're still exploiting someone through that for sure. Right. The people you buy it from bulk for are still doing exploitation. So you need to nationalize them. Mm-hmm. I go up a step and where whatever the primary extractive, you know, the actual from the earth point of production is, you, you need that. Like, cause, and, and you need to ban everyone else from doing it. Cause otherwise people are, the problem with just like relying on, cooperatives to outcompete is that you're going to end up your own slave driver yes that that's what i was wondering i'm just like how the fuck are you you just he wished that away very quickly of like oh we'll just outcompete them i'm like which internal logic it makes sense Uh uh-huh if you ignore the source of where you're getting it right and you just (laughs) say okay well we'll buy stuff in huge numbers for very cheap and so we'll be able to not do advertising people will want cheap stuff so they'll come to us sure you can out compete that way but this still relies on being able to obtain all that stuff for very cheap mm-hmm. without like being the only game in town for it which doesn't to me make a lot of sense yeah Unless, I, I think it's a weird outlook if you now again if you have control over that if you have the land right and and you're like okay well this is a state-owned farm or whatever then you can say okay well we'll sell to state stores very cheap we'll sell to capitalist stores very expensive like three and times they're the paying their state workers to go with these to- tickets to go get stuff from the state stores so they're yeah. not really exploiting their workers then right but this still i think still relies on 
banning the private sector from a certain part of the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, what what's to stop the private farms from saying, well, we're going to sell you know to the government at triple the price, and we're going to sell to our guys at super cheap so that they can stay in, mm-hmm. and they can just whip their workers into producing more for less, whereas you should not because you're <laughs> trying to do a liberatory project. Yeah, it's kind of confusing. I mean, I, I look it up if you want to read his whole his whole thesis there, but it, it is kind of just like a, it's a peaceful transition and like interesting if it, I mean, uh, if it works, sure, I'm on board, but like good fucking luck. That's the only weak point, I think, to me. Like, otherwise it sounds cool. It, Everything else sounds cool. The I think it's just how we get there that the, I think he's bad at. The tokens is always an annoying point to me, but mm-hmm. I can, I get why... I would never set it down as like, this is my ideal, but I would totally understand if a socialist or communist project like figures, works our way to end up being in that situation as a means of, as a necessary sort of thing. Like, yeah, I'm like, uh, all right, if you feel uh, like we really need that, sure. But yeah, yeah, I'm not big into money. He gets into a lot of details here. You know, people ask, you know, what about the royal family? Or what happens to metal money? What if people save? You know, this is interesting just because of the time period. Would paper money cause bankruptcy? Because <laughs> they haven't done that yet, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. He talks a little bit about, like, the the power structure of the industrial army. You know, he says, you know, he, he does say the details aren't important and we will figure this out as we go. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, he's like some suggestions, you know, you could elect people who have served in the industrial army for 25 years. Uh, you could have different state departments. All wages would be equal to ensure merit-based candidates and everyone does their share of the work and all labor is important. Well, then some of them say, but like, how, come on, come on. How's everyone gets paid the same. And this is, you know, how are people going to do like, difficult work and mm, stuff like, no you know, of course we get into classics the classic questions what, what about innovation and he says you know the new currency is honor you know many people will just want to do that i kind of liked like how that. his explanation of that the, the honor thing yes was like we sort of have that there's just a middleman of money mm. like what do rich people do when they get all this money all these wealth is they yeah. use it to buy esteem and honor they use it to buy titles and yeah power and all that yeah so he's like we kind of already do that we already want to obtain respect we're just going to get rid of the money thing i like like, that now we're directly just going to be paying people in that reminds me kind of like of what we talked about in our star trek episodes of like the new currency is social currency it's it's merit it's like you're very cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh let's see what about drunk people Uh, they'll be treated like they have a disease yeah yeah that's very uh, very modern. Yeah, I was going to say advanced for that time. I'm sure there were people, obviously the author, you know, <laughs> right? Uh, let's see. What if people won't work? Like you got them, right? You got them there. I didn't even think about that. Uh, for one thing, their conditions will be way more pleasant. Basically, you're forced to work to avoid death. So, ye- like, yes, people don't really want to work in the system because it's not really rewarding. It's It's... It's something you are forced to do just to get by, like the whole, I don't know, the incentive structure, mm-hmm. right? He says that it's kind of, it, you're working to make someone else rich in yes. today's world. Yes. You're working, you know, hoping they'll give you a little bit of scrap so you can get by. And he's saying, yeah, we're not doing that, though. Like, we will, people will be actually, like, in good conditions. 
they will be working for themselves and their and their countrymen, you know, their friends. Like, why wouldn't they want to work, basically? Yeah, yeah, because ev- everyone is going to be producing their own wealth and getting a full share. Yeah. Okay, that helps, because I, I think I misunderstood how he phrased that. Okay. Well, he also says, um, like, people who still don't want to contribute within it, he's like, we won't dress them up in silk and satin. <laughs> There'll be no place for loafers, whether they call themselves aristocrats or tramps. Uh, those who don't work shall have no share in the things that are produced by the labor of others. Yeah. Okay. So like if you, I think there's an important difference though between don't and can't. I mean, they don't get into that. Yeah. But it it sounds like if you just straight up refuse, it's like, well, we're going to fucking ostracize you. Like get the fuck out of here. You're not a part of our society. Yeah. You suck at this. Uh, But you mentioned dirty work earlier. Who's going to do the sewers? You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, some other, some good options here, which I think we've talked about a lot of these on the show. We can decrease the hours that you have to work. Dude, that would be dope. Like, you, you go do something pretty shitty, but mm-hmm. like two hours a week. Two hours. It's fine. <laughs> do a rotation or every person does a year of service. And also, I think this is nice because it goes back to the innovation point. It, this incentivizes innovation of like, let's automate this fucking sewer system so we don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. Fuck yeah. A brilliant idea. Uh, they ask about religion. Yeah, you can do whatever the fuck you want, basically. <laughs> You can uh, ask the state to provide you a building and recruit from maybe retirees for a minister, since everyone's fucking retiring at 45 now. <laughs> or since your work hours are going to be so short, you can just be a minister on the side. Yeah, just a hobby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they asked about the military, um, and he basically said, yeah, we probably should maintain a defensive force, but no draft. Um, it's a citizen army, not like a standing army, mm-hmm. and only use civil courts instead of like a... Uh, Military, military. Like, tribunals and stuff. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, he kind of concludes his his big, very cool, honestly, vision. You know, he, he gets into a lot of stuff, free healthcare, free education, like really cool shit, right? He even yeah. gets into leisure activities like the arts. Oh, yeah. But he concludes it by saying the way to get to this is to elect people to parliament. <laughs> Fill parliament with socialists. So kind of a weird ending to that, I think. Maybe again, context. I think it is. It's it's context because how do you you know at at that time, mass democracy was kind of seen as the way forward. I mean, the main communist party, like the first, the OG, the social, the social democratic party in Germany. Like it was, it was, its project was called the social democracy, you know, and yeah, that's what they, they were trying to together. build. Uh, yeah. The socialism they were trying to build was called the social democracy. Like, you know, it, that's what they were working for. And so there were, that was originally seen as like the way forward and to be, I think, to have a fair assessment of that. If you look at how they saw electoralism, it was less of like a publicity campaign and more of a mass mobilization. Mm-hmm. So the idea being, if you can elect a parliament full of socialists, you've mobilized the masses. I see. It's I not see. like this once every four years it's not even, divorced. Yeah, it's not results else. based in that way. It's saying like, if you convert enough people, then yeah. you can do this. Yeah, if you convert enough people, not like... People are like, I'm not really a socialist, but I'm going to vote from this time because I don't like the other guy. Mm-hmm. But like people who are like, I want socialist in parliament. We're demanding it. Yeah. If you build a mass party that can actually do that, 
it's a different it's different clothing, but it's basically doing a popular social revolution. Yeah, I think we've talked about it before. Like, technically possible. Yeah, yeah, and that's one of the things. Is like, sure, if like uh, I think DeLeon talked about this with his party in in the U.S. is like, yeah, you could uh, elect you know this many socialists to Congress and amend the Constitution and do. Mm-hmm. All- you're following the legal steps. It's possible, but I mean, at that point, you basically you have no it. opposition. Yeah, <laughs> <You're> fine. <laughs> so, just a different, more formal way to do the revolution. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's a wrap on on Barrington's lecture. Let's get back to the action. It was a banger. It, it was... was a banger of a lecture. Highly recommend. <laughs> yeah. We get to Philpot. This is a bummer. Oh yeah. So Philpot is supposed to like go climb this super high ladder um, to paint something. Um, and in the process of hoisting up this ladder, they're using a, a pretty old rope and it breaks and he is crushed, uh, by this really heavy ladder. Um, and he dies. Is Barrington also injured in that? I think Barrington, yeah, he gets a, sl- a small injury. Yeah. The company denies knowledge about the rope being worn, even though several men are like, yeah, I definitely have told Hunter about that before. Uh, but those men were too scared to come forward because they didn't want to get fired. Yeah. So it is officially declared an accident. The council says there's no way anyone could be blamed for this. Yeah. The firm has this horrifying back and forth with the the undertaker, whose name is Snatchem. <laughs> yeah. That's the only one that I caught. And really? I was like, what? Snatchem? <laughs> really? That's oh, there's some good ones. On the nose. Uh, they are basically fighting over who gets to build the coffin and claim the body and, you know, who's profiting off of this funeral. Right. And it's gross the whole time. Uh, poor Owen is tasked with making the coffin plate Mm -hmm. and Hunter's like, you're not to take too much time over the writing, mind you. It's a very cheap job. Yeah. He gets the cheapest possible funeral. It's described as like super, just, uh, perfunctory, like the, the, like service rushed. is very rushed. Mm. The religious service and everything. The the priest is like does not even want to be there. Like, ugh, it's so upsetting. Uh, Philpot, if you remember, does not have any family. So, but several of the men attend the funeral. Um, and then we get to election time. Uh, the whole town goes fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't catch this name. I wonder if they changed it. You have Adam Sweater running for uh, as as liberal candidate. His rival is the Tory. Sir Grabal de Enclosland. Oh, uh, de Enclosland. Yeah, yeah, that's his fucking name. I didn't catch his first name, de Enclosland. <laughs> de Enclosland. That's wild. <laughs> no, they didn't change it, I guess. Yeah, you just <laughs> I, didn't say, see that I one. I was just reading <laughs> head down. So this is a big to-do, but basically people get real fucking into it. Um, it's it, This chapter is just like, if you want to hate on electoralism for a while, you should read this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, we don't have time to go into super detail, but basically the crowd is portrayed as these big kind of self-hating dummies. Um, and, and there's plenty of socialist bashing from both candidates. Um, socialists are kind of active. They're trying to distribute leaflets and hold meetings and even kind of heckle the, the candidates from either side. They're mostly shut down and violence uh, breaks out. Owen is hit in the face with a stick, and it turns into this big fight, one side versus the other. One thing that I thought they did in the graphic novel a pretty good job of is while the crowd overall is just a general, like, this is this sucks that they're, you know, going at each other instead of working together, mm-hmm. right? 
They have a couple of little scenes of little quotes by people in the crowd, like this old man who's like, I've been waiting all my life for better conditions, so a few more won't make much of a difference. Yeah. You know, and Easton mm. uh, says, I believe in socialism, but since there's no socialist candidate, I must vote for the better of the two. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and these sort of sympathetic, the guy who got hit in the head before mm-hmm. is yes, I now working him. with the liberal people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so the guy, yeah. He's really interesting. He he actually has a conversation with Barrington mm-hmm. because he's he ends up working for for Sweater as as a liberal orator. He's just a hired gun, and he admits he says, uh, "Yeah, I'm still a socialist." He says, "No one who's been a socialist can ever cease to be one." But he is so disenchanted by like how the town received him, mm-hmm. they decided like, "Fuck, I might as well make money. Like, I'll just go make speeches for this guy." And he's like, "Clearly, the people are too fucking stupid and can't be taught." And he, you know. Might as well just try to survive. And um, Barrington defends people saying, like, you know, they've, mis- they've been misled. You know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, they're taught to disbelieve in their own faculties. I don't know. I think in that scene, even, you can feel for both characters there. Like, I think so, definitely. You know, like, Barrington's better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that... Don't sell out, guys. <laughs> yeah, that guy does suck. Like, don't actively do harm. <laughs> yeah. But you can see why he did it, at least. You know? Yes, yes. And that whole chapter, I think, is really interesting sweater wins <laughs> all right getting towards the end here uh ruth's child is born and it is slimes she is freaked the fuck out um she confesses uh who's the father to uh her friends mary linden and mrs owen um, she's kind of like delirious in a fever state when mm-hmm. she confesses this and she's just she is fucked up from this she is like alternating between you know being a loving mother to this baby and like wanting to harm it. Eventually she runs away and tries to commit suicide in the lake. Mm, okay. Um, she can't get in due to a new gate that's been put up around the park. And so she gives up, you know, that gives her enough time to like reconsider like, fuck, what did I almost do? She and Easton are separated for a while. And um, she lives with the Owens leaving a letter that explains what happened to her yeah. husband. Uh, Slime left town. And uh, eventually, Ruth decides to give the baby to the Owenses so that Easton will take her back. Which is a fucked up thing to have to do, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. Is that all they say about that? Uh, I mean, they go into a little more detail, or what do you mean? Well, in the graphic novel, Easton comes up to the Owens and and says, like, basically, please tell her, like, I'm willing to forgive her and have her back. Yes, And then Owen, like, rips into him. Oh, yeah. Owen's like, hey, Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, no, they do that too. All right. I just summarized a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I, I, I would tell her to have nothing to do with you if it weren't for the kids. Like, as far as I can see, you've been bad to her, treated her with indifference. You're willing to take her back, but you should actually be asking her to forgive you. Totally. He walks off in shame and then talks to Owen later and is like, yeah, man, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah. So I thought they resolved that in a much more positive way in the end after they beat up easton after uh, for that for a little you know they're like hey that's fucked up you know Mm -hmm. he is yeah he you're right he is like forced to kind of apologize but i mean that's got to be really difficult though to like leave your fucking baby with another family but also they're super poor and they're like we can't take care of this thing for sure and just the traumatic aspect of it i think yeah i think i I couldn't judge them yeah i cannot speak to that issue but geez Owen finds Bert, uh, the work boy, freezing in the workshop and like loses his shit. He's like, this is fucking stupid. 
we're going to start a fire in here, even if it's against the rules. Well, yeah, and and uh, Bert is like, no, like please, like mm-hmm. I'll get in trouble. He's and so worried. That's what I think really pisses Owen off. He's like, what? You know, <laughs> he's like, yeah, Hunter says I can't do it. Yeah. So then he barges into Rushton's office to tell him off. Uh, but he catches Rushton in a compromising position with his secretary. Hey-o. So uh, Bert is allowed to keep the fire going. And Owen is awkwardly thanked by Rushton later and not fired because, like, <laughs> he has some dirt on him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we get to the conclusion of Hunter's story. Uh, Hunter is losing his shit because there's a new firm in town. I think it's Dauber and Botchett. Ridiculous. And they are pricing them out. They pay their guys like half the price mm-hmm. and do their work, you know, even faster. Like there's all these horror stories about them. And he, uh, Hunter is just despairing. Yeah. Um, and he commits suicide with a razor. That's a wrap on Hunter. R.I.P. Hunter. So, I mean, like you said, it, it does end up kind of sympathetic to him. Yeah. I mean, I think you. You get it. Yeah. I get why he did what he did. He was still like an asshole, but. That's the thing. It doesn't require good or bad people. It's just positions. Yeah. Barrington is really struggling. Um, he's really freaked out by that conversation he had with the, the, the paid speaker for hire. Mm-hmm. And he, he comes upon little Charlie and Elsie Linden and Frankie Owen and Freddie Easton, all the town children, mm-hmm. looking into a toy shop longingly. And he says, fuck it. And so he goes and pretends that he works for Santa and he buys <laughs> them all their Christmas presents he also buys them new boots and new stockings. Um, and then he visits Owen. And this is where we learn Barrington's big secret. Dun, dun, dun. He's rich. <laughs> Comes from a rich family, yeah. Yes. He's like um, on an allowance or something. Yeah, because he's like, my dad doesn't really agree with my views, but he still like pays for my shit. And he's like, I'm just <laughs> taking a year off to like go see what the working man is about. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> You're the weirdest thing. Rich dude. people, man. Yeah, very eccentric. Uh, and so he's going home to spend Christmas with his family, but he wants to come back with a van to help start a socialist branch in the town. Hell yeah. It looks so cool. Oh, man, I want a socialist wagon. That's fucking sweet. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I don't know if it's cooler than the red one. It's got, it really pops though. It's yellow. It looks kind of circusy. Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that would help. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like that? Circus socialism. Fun. And so Barrington leaves town, but not before sending Owen a letter enclosed with 10 pounds for Owen, three for Mrs. Linden, and two for Bert's mom. He's just like, fuck it. And and I like the way it's put in the letter, too, of like, just take this. Like, I know you'd do the same for me if you could. Yeah. It's, you know, it's very clearly not charity. Mm -hmm. It's just like, hey, man, I'm I'm helping because I fucking can. Yeah, I have this. You do not. Yeah, there's no inequality, basically, of the people. It's Mm -hmm. just of the material stuff that Mm -hmm. he's trying to write, you know? The book ends with Owen contemplating the potential commonwealth uh, with a very beautiful metaphor of of dark and light. Let's see. Mankind awakening from the long night of bondage and mourning and arising from the dust wherein they had lain prone so long were at last looking upward to the light that was riving asunder and dissolving the dark clouds which had so long concealed them from the face of heaven. The light that will shine upon the worldwide fatherland and illumine the gilded domes and glittering pinnacles of the beautiful cities of the future 
where men shall dwell together in true brotherhood and goodwill and joy. The golden light that will be diffused throughout all the happy world from the rays of the risen sun of socialism. That's great. He got out his adjective pen for that one. <laughs> He's like, hold on. That's awesome. But that uh, that scene of you know humanity awakening. Mm-hmm. Like it's, next stage, man. Yeah, it's very much Engels' socialism, scientific, and utopian. Yeah. Mankind leaving its childhood behind and entering that new phase, you know, and actually getting to do all the shit that we really want to do. It's pretty cool. I mean, I think it's really beautifully written. It is a poetic last couple of pages. Recommend. Really lets it shine. (laughs) Okay. uh, We're going to end with some some critiques. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Overall, it's real fucking good. It's also real fucking long. <laughs> My dude needed an editor. There were so many times I was reading this where I'm like, all right, I can skim because you've already said this fucking lecture before. <laughs> <laughs> Some issues that I noticed, we've already talked about a, a, a few of them. One is the, the anti-fatness. They really linger on the obesity of some characters describing mm-hmm. their fat as resembling bacon. Like it's, <laughs> it's rough stuff. Yeah. Um, an argument could be made that this is written at a time when there were real food shortages among the working class. Okay. Uh, but it's uncomfortable to read it today. And like, you know, like you can still be fat and poor, you know, like it, it was, right. I think it's a, a clumsy metaphor. Uh, I guess. Yeah. I would agree with the historic, uh, analysis of it is that that really was like mm-hmm. a, there weren't really fat, poor people. Back Not then. yet. It was like these people were literally starving. Yeah. And, so I, I guess I can get that from that perspective. But the I think the problem is that we do have too, not entrenched, but too much of a legacy of like fat cat and things like this, mm-hmm. you know, it, that we don't really need anymore on the left. That's and, like and, old fashioned and, and more broadly, just, just the culture displaying fatness as, as a metaphor for evil in general. Like mm-hmm. a lot of villains are just like, this, look at this fat guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't think that's, to avoid playing into any of that, to avoid any sort of general anti-fatness, you just don't need that anymore. You don't need it anymore. You know? I get it for the time, but... Yeah. Uh, there's a little bit of racism, uh, mostly just kind of outdated phrases and things. Uh, a reference is made to the, quote, savages of New Guinea or the, quote, ah. Red Indians. Ah. Yeah. They, they, they took that one out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. They, yeah. There's also a really weird phrenology bit. It's a very short paragraph. It takes place in the Beano chapter. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the carriages, I think it's the one with like maybe the drunks in it or something. They say, uh, well, if you were to look at their brains, they have a lot of fatty tissue and the, the shape or something. Like it's it's just a weird like, where did that come from? Never comes up again. <laughs> Who said this, Owen? This or? is like the, the narrator. <laughs> so I'm like, you're just saying this as if it's right, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe there was a missed, like, sarcasm. That's strange. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a really weird out of left field reference. And I'm like, okay, uh, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> and then I mentioned my issues with Barrington's ideas. Like, I like the, the general idea, but some mm. of his uh, specifics on how to get there were like, hmm, not my flavor. Yeah, that one I do think makes, it makes more sense historically. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you never had a full-on socialist communist revolution 
in yeah. Britain. Yeah. Because people had to modify that shit to actually make that work. Uh, you know, and say, let's do a vanguard party and bam. We, <laughs> it's also the conditions of the society itself, too. Like, Lenin famously said that the revolution happened in Russia first because it was the weakest link in imperialism. Yeah. You know, so it, that depends. Uh, uh, point is, I can see why he, he they had that character say it and why mm-hmm. the author at the time probably supported it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's not really how we think things are going to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> well, wouldn't be mad. I'd be surprised. What's your rating? Uh, my rating was a five. Ooh. It's beautiful. I think it was nuanced. It was a, a five or four and a half. No, we'll go whatever you want. I like I five. It's it's nuanced, but it gives its point across without. You know, this is uh, the graphic novel is that with an editor. You know, that, I think that's the case. Yeah, and with visual elements and. There's just and and the medium. There's just not enough room to run off to the side and give Mm -hmm. a big tangent sort of thing. You know. Yes. Yes. So they they had to you know chop and move things around a little bit to make it to make it work. But I really like the result. I think it's it's great. It's it's not maybe not like ideal for converting people necessarily. Maybe parts of it are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There are scenes. But it could be good to like further radicalize like more liberal or sock dem types. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it would be it would stir the passions of the progressives. I think so. I think your, so. In your life, you know, my rating is three point five, and it is really just the length. Yeah, uh, and the repetitiveness. I mean, I could maybe I, I I think about it a lot though. So like, I'm very close to giving it a four because it stuck with me so much. Like, I've had dreams where I'm like quoting passages from this. Oh wow! I'm trying to convert people. I convert people in my dreams now, <laughs> <laughs> next level. But it really like it took me like a couple of months to get through this one, and I I had to like not check out any other books from the library like as punishment of like no you got fucking finish this <laughs> and it, it took a long fucking time yeah it's really good though and it's it's really well it's really well written i think um in terms of like the what words that should be there <laughs> which those are up for debate um it is very descriptive and i think does a great fucking job of putting you in that time period and in the working class and i, I imagine you know it's written pretty close to when it came out you know yeah that must have been really eye-opening for a lot of people. The conditions that a lot of people were living in, mm-hmm. the debt was very, the starving, like all that stuff was super heartbreaking and super visceral. You know, they, they talk a lot about like, they're eating, you know, bread and not even butter every day, bread and margarine and tea, and that's it. And, yeah, and like selling their furniture mm-hmm, and all this. Yeah, so like, I think it was really well done um, in, in terms of setting that scene and, and showing the stakes I, I think it's great. I think there's some really good metaphor work in here. I think there are some scenes that I would totally show to somebody to convert them. Like, look at this money trick. Isn't that fucking crazy? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, I think that would be great. Or like the gasometer thing I think mm-hmm. about a lot. Like, I think there's some really good points in here that could be super useful for the project. Yeah. It's just real fucking long. <laughs> this is why I, this became a two-parter, guys. I'm so fucking hungry right now. <laughs> uh, all right. I guess with that, we should wrap it up. Next week, mm-hmm. we will be talking about the American backed and instigated uh, coup in Iran, mm. the overthrow of Mohammed Mossadegh, all the different, you know, kind of backgrounds, angles of that. Cool. 
part of our Crimes of Capitalism series and all the totally foreseen consequences of that. <laughs> is this what Argo was? Argo was, yeah, on the tail end of those. <laughs> this is how I know historical events. It's like, what movie is that? Yeah, when people think about <laughs> the decadent Westerner, they definitely... It's definitely me. Yeah, they definitely think of you. <laughs> Knows nothing outside their borders. Uh, yeah, that's true. Not true anymore. You've been, you've been so much more I went to the cave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've learned together as a class. Yes. All right, cool. Looking forward to it. All right. Uh, see you then. Bye. All right. I'm full pee. I'm so hungry. I'm dying. <laughs> you just leave. Leave that out. <laughs> I, I'm going to leave it in. Fuck it. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts. Or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.